listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast. I'm Eric Daw, your personal guitar scientist with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. That's what this podcast is about. Sitting beside me is my lovely co-host, Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. 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 Yeah, it's true. Um, we've got news, but I'm just, I'm thinking, let's just get right into the show because we've got a lot to cover today. Okay. But now what news do we have? Well, I mean, I was going to talk about what I've been doing in the shop and what I have a new guitar I'm excited about. Neato. I wanted to tell the listeners about. Let's tell them. They got nothing to do. Well, it was my birthday. Happy birthday, Eric. Yeah, I'm 29 and I get, well, that's not true. I bought myself, because nobody's going to do it for me, right? So I bought myself. What's that supposed to mean? I mean, I mean, you have to, you, I mean, <laughs> when you really want something and you know yourself, I mean, who knows you like yourself, right? right I right. know what I want. Right. I could tell you what I want, but, you know, I, I just, just skip a step and buy it for myself. There you go. So, uh, I bought a K, a 1957K Thin Twin Jimmy Reed, I think it's called a K-161 electric guitar. Always wanted one. I've played a bunch of them. I've always wanted one. I I love Jimmy Reed. I love K guitars. Cool. So I bought one. And? And it's great. I love it. Nice. Melissa bought herself something special. She got an, she got herself a, an, a fancy eye patch. Yeah. Now I can be a pirate. Just kidding, I got an iPad. Oh, an iPad, I'm sorry. Because I wanted to expand my creative interests into the digital drawing realm. Mm. That makes more sense. I thought you bought a fancy eye patch. Yeah. Like maybe with diamonds on it or something. Well, it was very expensive. It was uh, more than my first car cost. Mm. Whoa. So, yeah. <clears throat> Anyhow. I think we have some calls. Shall we take some calls? Yeah. All righty. Let's do it. Let's see what we got here. Hi, Eric and Merrill. This is Jeremy from California. I'm a new listener. What do you call me? I don't know. thought I'd throw a couple questions your way. Um, the first one is in regards to reverb. I've never really dealt with them, and I've heard a couple like uh, interesting things in regards to them about increasing the pricing and stuff. So I was kind of wondering what your experience was with them because I was possibly thinking about uh, using them to sell off 
a couple of guitars of my own. And then my second question had to do with uh, the Plek. I'm sure you're familiar with this. It's essentially a CMC for uh, doing setups on guitars. Um, I was curious to see what your opinion was on that. It's a great show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, reverb is good. I, you know, everybody threw a fit when they raised their prices, but when yeah, you ha- I think we were one of them. Yeah, we did too. Yeah. What? Guess what? When you have a monopoly, you can raise your price. Yeah, right. So, go ahead and don't use reverb, but that means you you basically you're not going to sell your guitar online. So, um, I mean, there's uh, there are other websites like uh, I don't even know. Uh, there's one called uh, G-Base or something that people used to use in, you know, 1987. But uh, Reverb is really the only game in town unless you want to go to eBay, which, you know, you could. But eBay is where... eBay is where problem guitars go to be handed off to the next guy. Uh, Or at least that's what everybody thinks. You can can get good guitars on, on eBay, but... You got to be careful. So reverb, yeah, they raised their price. Look, it's still it's still a decent deal. And really, what happens is most sellers just they just account for the fact that e- that reverb is going to take a certain percentage and factor that into the price. Right. right. So if you want three thousand dollars for a guitar, then you you list it for thirty two hundred or thirty three hundred on reverb. Right. I mean, you just have to factor that in. What was his other question? Oh, the Plec machine. Yeah, he said I heard he said the Plec machine is the uh the machine that does the setups or something like that. What did he say? I don't know. So a Plec machine, all a Plec machine does is it's a it's a computer guided fret leveling system. So it levels frets. It doesn't set up a guitar. So you, it it will <clears throat> it will basically um, replicate string tension and then scan the frets and the fingerboard and see where everything is and see all the high spots and low spots really accurately, right? And then it'll go through and it will um, level the frets uh, just like a traditional, you know, fret level crown and polish. And uh, and then, uh, you know, somebody uh, like me, uh, you know, a guitar tech of some kind has to then take the guitar and then set it up. So it doesn't set up a guitar. It just is a really accurate way of doing a computer-guided fret level. That's all it is. Uh, people get carried away with it. Like, I'll, I'll have people bring me a guitar and say, my, my guitar doesn't play very well at all, and I don't understand why. It was plecked at the factory. Like, like, like that means it's going to play perfect forever. Yeah. You know? And all that means is... Uh, they made the guitar and then put it in a plec machine and and had the frets leveled. Which I don't understand why why you'd have to do that to a brand new guitar, but but it's a selling point for some manufacturers and uh and all it is is a computer guided fret leveling system. <clears throat> I do it old school. I don't want a plec machine. I wouldn't use one if I had a free one. I would sell it. Uh, so, um, because I just prefer the old techniques. That's me. I think that I can do every bit as good of a fret level as a plec machine can. But, uh, 
since it's since all it does is a fret level, it doesn't mean that your guitar's set up after after you get a plec. It's uh it's just a fret level. I think we have another call. Let's see what we got here. Hey Eric, Melissa. Uh Eric, I was just listening to the last episode um where you guys were talking about neck straightening and it made me think about this old Harmony Bobcat that I have. Um, I had it tuned down to uh, C standard um, with some 12s on it, and my roommate's girlfriend uh, tuned it up to E and without really thinking about it, and uh, the neck has kind of always had too much relief since then. Um, and apparently when I took the, the truss rod cover off, there was no nut there. So somebody at some point had broken off the uh, the truss rod end as well. Um so anyway, I was listening to the thing, and my, my first question is, do you think that this is something that's repairable? Um, and my second question is, do you ever just run into a vintage guitar or or any kind of guitar where, like, where's your point where you're like, you know, this it's just not even worth putting any more work into this thing. Um, you should salvage the parts and, and do something else with it. And, uh, yeah, where that kind of line is for you. Anyway, take care, guys. Right on. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's salvageable. That's repairable. So, uh, if the truss rod nut is broken off on a harmony, those can actually be repaired. You know, uh, <clears throat> that, that rod will actually pull straight out of the neck. You can just, you can just remove it. You can just pull it straight out of the headstock. And then, um, somebody like me would, would retap some threads on there and, uh, Adjust it a little bit so that it works again. Put a new nut on there and slide it back in. Harmony truss rods are um, unique in that way. Uh, they're more like Rickenbacker uh, truss rods where they're not anchored to the neck. It's two bars that that um, when you tighten the rod, one bar torques against the other bar. So... So that's how that works. So that can be fixed, absolutely, and uh, it doesn't need to be heat-straightened, at least, I mean, you know, it might need to be, but not from your description. The truss rod needs to be fixed, and that can be done. The other thing about it is, you know, on a guitar like that, <clears throat> Harmony Bobcats are cheap and plentiful, and I bet you could just buy a replacement neck for it pretty easily. Uh, if you just look around on eBay... People part out guitars and sell guitar parts on eBay more than they do on Reverb, and that's the one thing I go to eBay for more than Reverb is parts. You know, the people will take apart an old guitar and say, here's the neck, here's the pickguard, here's the pickups, all in separate auctions. Right. So you might find a bobcat neck, uh, but but yeah, that truss rod could be repaired, so you could just do that. And as far as guitars that are just unsalvageable it happens it certainly happens you know it depends on what's going on with the guitar and what it's worth if if a guitar is only worth a couple hundred dollars and it needs a thousand dollars worth of repair well that's probably not you know a good idea it's probably not something that <clears throat> that you you do unless the thing is uh, sentimental or something like that so there you go thanks for the call should we get into some some emails? Sure. Before we do, I want to tell you, this podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee. 
Apex Coffee Roasters in Waco, Texas. Man, they've got, I was just looking at their website. They've got some cool stuff. I mean, you can just buy, order a bag of coffee. Yeah. But some of the things they've got are so cool. Like they've got individually packaged, uh, like they, they're, they're kind of like tea bags, right? But it's like a self-contained Fred, French press. Oh. It's just a single serve coffee cup, right? Cool. I know. It's super cool. Single serve specialty coffee bags. They're not, um, <clears throat> there's, there are no additives. It's not crystals. It's not any kind of instantizing of any kind. It's, uh, just delicious roasted coffee. And, uh, you can just brew a single cup. That's kind of cool. So they've got, they've got those in 10 packs. They also have a subscription, a roaster's choice subscription where you can just subscribe. Wow. And you can choose, like the frequency of delivery, once a month or twice per month, you can choose to either sign up for quarterly or for a six-month subscription or a one-year subscription, all with different levels of discounts. Cool. And so what the, what you sign up for this subscription, and then their roaster will select uh, a coffee option just for you and send it your way uh, either once a month or twice a month. Right. Wow. So yeah. So you sign up for this subscription, and then they just send you coffee. I mean, it just like it just simplifies things, right? Imagine, yeah. imagine, imagine just always having fresh gourmet roasted coffee in your home. Oh. It really is the best coffee. You got to give it a try. ApexCoffeeRoasters dot com. We are so proud that they sponsor the show. We love our Apex Coffee around here. Yes, we do. Hey y'all, hope all is swell and well. Heard about the podcast listening to TAVA and have been thoroughly enjoying the show while at work. I'm a big Deadhead slash Jerry Garcia band fan. My question Mm. is, number one, what's your take on those Doug Irwin builds he had made for he had made for Jerry? Uh, number two, how do you feel about Travis beans slash aluminum necks in general? What do they offer that a wooden neck wouldn't? Number three, would you ever consider making a TB replica or just an aluminum necked guitar? And if so, how would that reflect in pricing? Thanks y'all so much and keep up the beautiful work. That's from Tucker T in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Yeah, buddy. Uh, the Doug Irwin builds, I mean, they're iconic, you know, you think of Jerry Garcia and you think of this guitar, it's very cool. Not my thing, but, you know, super cool. Yeah. I mean, it's got three too many humbuckers for my taste, but, (laughs) uh, but it's a cool guitar. On the Travis Bean aluminum neck guitars, uh, I don't want to say rude things. (laughs) So I'm just going to say also not my thing. Um, I, I just, you know, there's, it's just a big turnoff to me to grab a guitar and the neck is ice cold. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want a metal neck. Yeah. Don't like that. Yeah. Would, he says, would you ever consider making a Travis Bean replica or an aluminum necked guitar? Uh, not ever, <clears throat> but thank you for asking. Thanks, Tucker. <laughs> Hi, Eric and Mel. Love your podcast. Eric, did vintage Fender guitars use stranded wire or solid wire? Do you know of any vintage guitars that used solid wire? 
Thank you. That's from Jacob in Arkansas. Do you understand that question? Uh, I I assume the what the wire that it's wired with mm-hmm. the electronics wire. Yeah. So solid s- versus. Yeah, yeah, stranded wire is a whole bunch of little tiny wires, kind of In you know braid. braided together. Yeah, right. And stranded, you know, solid wire is a, what it just what it sounds like. Just one solid? big solid wire. Oh, oh yes. Sol- oh, right. Okay. That's why they call it solid. Oh. Yeah. Just excuse me while I mansplain uh, wire to my wife. Thank you. Do you understand now? Mm, yeah, I think so. Okay, she understands. Okay. Uh, yeah, Fender always used stranded wire uh, in guitars. In amps, they use solid wire. Or um, they some of it solid wire, <clears throat> but uh, I do see the only time I see solid core wire in old guitars is uh, uh, funky Japanese guitars often used solid core wire. But no, stranded wire is what you want. That's the good stuff, and that's really what you should use. The problem with with solid core wire is it'll only bend a few times before it breaks, and uh, so you don't. You don't want that in a any kind of circuit that needs to move a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. you go to work on it, and um, with stranded core wire, uh, it'll you know it has some give and it has some flexibility. And right. the solid core stuff will break a lot sooner. So yeah, stranded wire stranded wire is what you want. Thanks, Jacob. Eric, listening to your new pod today, you made the comment that you are really considering just offering guitars that you like to make. Yeah, I'm almost 100% on that. Nice. Uh, for what it's worth, I'm so happy I purchased one of your guitars the way you think it should be made. Oh, cool. I have never owned or thought of buying a guitar with a vintage 7.25 radius fretboard. Is that seven and a quarter? How do you say it? Yes. Seven and a quarter radius fretboard. I bought. I bought the... I bought the thought that the flatter board is better. Hmm. Oh, I bought the thought that a flatter board is better. Uh, Angela has a seven and a quarter radius board, and it is my favorite guitar to play. Oh, his guitar is named Angela. Yeah. Yeah. See, I was thinking of the website <laughs> where you buy buy parts. There's a parts website called Angela. Oh, wow. Weird. Yeah. All right. Well, you made this guitar, so... I've made you a lot of know. guitars. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any issues with bending, and I find the neck just more comfortable to play. Good. I would go for it, and I think you will find people will be super happy with the guitars like I am. I am just waiting for you to post a T-style guitar, as I would like one of those as well. Hmm. Hope this helps in some way. That's from John. Thanks for the feedback, John. I That's, that's what I'm going to start doing, and I'm going to start doing that in March. Um, I just don't know. I, I've, that's what I've decided to start doing. Right. I just don't know if it's going to be a permanent situation or not. But that's what I'm going to try. And uh, beginning in March, I'm going to start offering, you know, two or three guitars per, per month for sale. And it's just, uh, you know, I make the guitars and you buy them. No more custom orders. It's just how I want to do it. Neato. Yeah, thanks, I don't John. blame you. I know. Custom I, orders are... That's... Well, it, it's just another level of complication, and it's another level of a deadline. Yeah. And it's never exactly the guitar that I would make. Yeah. It, it's always some nuance on it that I have to, you know... Right. Change. Yep. I don't know. It's not a big deal. I've been I've been happy to make... All of y'all's custom orders. Trust me. 
happy about it. But I'm going to try it different starting in March. Thank you, John. Hi, Eric. On the subject of nut problems, I thought it best to consult a specialist. That's that's always good advice. Uh, If I suspect my nuts have not been cut low enough. Now, I knew that this was going to make you laugh. (laughs) Look, Look, this is not a comedy podcast. But sometimes it sounds like it. If I suspect my nuts have not been cut low enough. See, it has slots in it, right? <laughs> he's talking about the nut slots. Just say slots. Ta- okay, I know what he's talking about. <clears throat> Do I check with a feeler? <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to read this because Melissa uh, is 12. <clears throat> <laughs> if I suspect the nut slots have not been cut low enough, do I check with a feeler gauge at the first fret? This is on both my guitars, a Gibson Junior style and a Tilly. What height am I looking for between the fret and string for a low action? Actually, my questions regarding nuts run into <laughs> She can't do it. My questions regarding nuts run into multitudes. Maybe it's best to left to an experienced guitar guy, someone who's cut thousands of nuts, someone with the right files and the right know-how. For instance, different string gauges require different files, right? Can nuts be cut for a guitar sight unseen? Meaning cut for a certain type of guitar and nut width, a prescribed string gauge, and for example, a low action. Thanks, Eric. That's from Ashley. I'm sorry, Ashley. Uh, so, no. you. Can, so, I would not cut a nut for a guitar sight unseen. And it, 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 it needs to be dialed in on the guitar. It needs to be dialed into the guitar. And a lot of guys make this problem. They they make this mistake. They'll they'll order a nut that's like, oh, it's pre-cut for a strat, you know. Oh, okay. Well, it's not going to work because it really needs to be dialed in for the uh, uh, the the height of your first fret. Hmm. And that's that's what it's dependent on. So, um, yeah, you you can check with a feeler gauge. Uh, I what I do is I depress the string at the third fret, and then check the clearance when I tap between the second and third fret. And you're looking at the first fret and how much the string moves over it. Okay? So depress the string at the third fret, tap the string up and down between the second and third frets, and look at the movement between the first fret and the string. And what you want is just, like... Just enough room that you could maybe slip a, a business card or a piece of paper in there. Just a tiny bit of movement. That's all you need. Um, and to get tolerances that tight, it has to be done with the nut on the guitar. And, um, yeah, I do tip you, you do use files specific for the string gauge, you know, especially. I mean, you can cheat it a little bit if you go back and forth between nines and tens. No big deal, right? Mm-hmm. But for somebody who uses 12s, um, some of those strings won't fit if if the slots are cut for 9s. So, yeah. Yep, it's definitely one of the more finesse parts of my job is cutting nut slots. It has to be done right. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of people mess up. Absolutely. Thank you, Ashley. 
What is your preferred strat bridge setup? Floating, flush to body, blocked? Can you truly gain and lose sustain and resonance from one to another? That's from Stephen in New Orleans. Nolens. Yeah. Stephen. Well, my preference is to have um, the tremolo set up uh, flush to the body. But it's just a preference, you know. I mean, I, I don't try to talk people into that. But the options are, if it's flush to the body but the springs are still loose enough, you can still use the tremolo, but you'll only be able to go down in pitch. Where if it's floating a little bit, then you can use the arm uh, and you can go up or down in pitch. The benefit of having it flush to the body is more bridge to body contact, which I like. That transference of vibration is, is it can't be a bad thing, right? And uh, it's going to be... Um, uh, the the tuning is going to be more stable when when it's flush to the body. So that's what I like. If I had two strats and I um, played strats a lot, I'd probably set one up one way and and the other the other because it's nice to have both. I don't ever block them on my own personal guitars. I know some guys like that and some guys request that, but to me, I don't understand why you have to block it if you've just tighten up the springs, and that's basically the same thing, uh, except that you can still use the tremolo. So I I, I never block my own personal guitars um, on Strat tremolos. I'll do it for you if you ask me, but I've, I've never uh, I've never really understood it, honestly. Thanks, Stephen. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I hope you guys are in good health and enjoying good coffee. Oh, yeah. I've inherited a highly modified Gibson Trini, Trini Lopez. Trini Lopez. Trini Lopez. 068524 is the serial. I think super faded. TMI. Thank you, though. thanks. (laughs) My neighbor gave it to me, and he bought it back in the 70s, so he sanded the once cherry red gloss finish. It is now an unfinished matte brown. In areas where he sanded past the first laminate top layer, it is darker where wood underneath is showing. It is... Uh, it has a kind of understated cowboy western look. The headstock cut. The headstock was cut in half and sanded down. Oh my god! No longer has the Firebird six in line. He replaced the original tuners for some decent gold Grovers. It is now a three on each side type headstock with a strange, almost butt shaped dimple at the top of the headstock. His friends called it the butt guitar. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. Yeah. Uh, the humbuckers sound so tasty. Good. My concern regards the intonation. I had a tech install new frets, but the nut and bridge are original. The bridge has old wobbly plastic saddles for each string. The nut looks old. I know you're not a fan of putting new parts on vintage guitars. Hold on. Do Hold you- <laughs> on. The headstock was sawn in half, my friend. I uh, Go ahead. In- I don't think this is quite a vintage guitar anymore, sir. Uh, do you have any idea why my intonation might be so off? Open chords never sound in tune, nor do bar chords. Should I replace the nut and bridge? It's super modded anyways, so marginally, not much will change. Thanks, and I really enjoy your show. Best, Noah. Thanks, Noah. I, it sounds like you dig this guitar, and I think that's cool. Yeah. And I don't mean to make fun of it. it it's just a... It sounds like it has a lot of, like, mojo. Yeah. But it, as far as being modified, 
it's it that ship has already sailed. So don't worry about swapping out parts, honestly, because that that's it's not a consideration on this guitar. Um, as far as the intonation goes, get somebody competent to to look at it and fix that for you, because that's something that can be done uh, I, without looking at your guitar. I don't know why the intonation's off. A couple things come to mind, but um, it this is a problem that can be solved. I just don't know what's causing the problem, uh, and so you 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 got to have somebody competent to look at that and and see what's going on. Uh, if I were to guess, you you said you had it refretted. Is it possible? You know, if you put giant frets on it, are you pushing down too hard? Because that will make the note sharp. And so many dudes do that. So many dudes go, man, I love big frets, you know. So they get huge frets and then they never play in tune again because they just clamp down on the strings and push too hard and it makes the note sharp. Um, the other possibilities is uh, the nut is cut wrong. The bridge could be in the wrong place. You know, I've seen... I've seen factory vintage Gibsons where the bridge is just simply in the wrong place and it will never intonate. So get somebody competent who knows how to, uh, you know, hook up a strobe tuner and, and, and check this thing out and it can be done. It can be fixed. Thanks, Noah. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I have a friend with a U.S. made 60th anniversary Strat with all the bells and whistles, locking tuners, roller nut, and the pickup swapped for... Fralin Blues Specials? I don't know what that is. Yep. Okay. Uh, I was looking the guitar over for him and giving it a setup when I found the truss rod nut to be about 80% stripped, and the frets need a level, crown, and polish. The guitar uses one of Fender's Biflex truss rod systems, so it has the walnut plug in the headstock. I'm mostly a player and a small-time tinkerer, so the repair is certainly outside my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. How much work is involved in replacing the truss rod nut? I hear removing the walnut plug can be a pain. I, su I suspect the truss rod nut needs to be replaced before the frets are leveled, right? Is there, is there ever a situation like this where you would recommend getting a new neck instead of repairing the existing one? Hmm. Also, why did Fender decide that the 1 8 inch truss rod was the move? It seems prone to the stripping issue, especially if you're using a wrench with even the slightest imperfection. Love the show. Keep it up. Cheers. That's from Mitch. Thanks, Mitch. I have the same question. Fender, well, when when we say Fender. <laughs> New Fender. Yeah. It wasn't Leo that made that call. I'll tell you that much. I don't like the Biflex um, modern Fender truss rod. I, I, and for this very reason, <clears throat> it's too easily stripped and too difficult to, to fix. You know, it's just a, it's just a bad scene. I don't like it. The benefit of it, supposedly, right, the benefit of it is that it's biflex, so you can loosen it enough that it will actually put bow in the neck, uh, and so it, unlike a single action truss rod, it works both ways. But um, <clears throat> how often do you have to put back bow, or how often, how often do you have to put forward bow in a neck like that? Not that often. So, you know, because the strings are pulling it the other way. Right. So I'm not a fan. And yeah, this this problem comes up and it is a pain in the butt to replace that walnut plug and replace the truss rod nut. But it can be done. I've done it. And uh, 
if you're you know too timid about doing that then have a have a professional do it but yeah if it truly is stripped then uh yeah that needs to be done a lot of people tell me that those are stripped uh only for me to find out that they're not so you know i'm not saying that that's the case here but it it's just worth mentioning anyhow we're going to take a quick break wait hold on uh, is there ever a situation like this where you would recommend getting a new neck instead of repairing the existing one? Well, sure. Uh, you know, but I don't think you're there yet, man. I mean, if we, if, if, uh, if, uh, if the headstock was cut in half, you know, or something <laughs> crazy, or if the, if the thing was in a, in a house fire and the neck burned off, or if, if you know, uh, if a tank ran over the neck, mm, mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You're not there yet, is what I'm saying. Frets and a truss rod nut, th- these are things that can be fixed. And maybe if it were a Squire and you could buy a replacement neck for 100 bucks, but this is a U.S.-made 60th anniversary Strat. It's a, it's a decent neck, right? Even though it's got all the doodads and gizmos that I don't like. Uh, so I think it's worth fixing, and it's certainly... Uh, within the realm of possibility also. So thanks, Mitch. Let's take a little break. We'll be right back. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron some people call it a neck press or a neck heater it is an invaluable tool in my shop i use it all the time i'd be lost without one of these i i love having a neck straightening iron and rick is making a really really stout industrial i I think it i think it's the best one that i've used and i've i've used a lot i've made my own I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's it's a tool. I tell you what, it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to his website and make an offer for $6.99 and mention the Fret Files podcast... free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron, a neck press, a neck heater, whatever you want to call it. Playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you, it's an invaluable tool, indispensable. I'd be lost without mine. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out, and don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. Melissa and Eric, I need to slot the saddles on a tunematic bridge. Would you describe your process for doing this task, the tools you use, and any tips for getting the string spacing correct? Appreciate your help and look forward to look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Take care. That's from John. Thanks, John. On a tunematic bridge, uh, some of them come pre-slotted and some of them don't. The ones that don't, you have to cut your own slots. The ones that come pre-slotted, the slots are just in the center. The ones that are not slotted, it's best if if you can get away with centering them. 
and on, on most Gibsons, you can uh, center the the uh, the slot above the uh, the right above the screw because it just looks so much nicer than some of the snaggletooth jobs that I've seen where people stagger them all over the place, right? But sometimes you put a tunematic on a guitar that's uh, that wasn't made for a tunematic, and you have to slot uh, where the slots need to be, right? The way I do this <clears throat> is I'll find where the outer strings need to sit, and you can do this pretty easily. You just put the bridge on, you put two strings on, you put the outer strings on, and see where they need to sit, and then mark you know, with like a an exacto blade or something. Mark where those slots should be. And then I will often take my Stuart McDonald uh, nut slotting gauge and use that to make the notches for the rest of the strings. Again, if you can get away with it, I, I see, see some guys might disagree with this. But if you can get away with it, notching them in the middle is really pretty good. There are some considerations like the fact that the wound strings are are bigger than the plain strings. And so some luthiers would put just a little bit more gap in between the wound strings than the plain strings, like they do on a nut. I think that that's a consideration when you're slotting a nut but not so much when you're doing the bridge because the strings have fanned out so much. There's so much more space down at the bridge than there is at the nut that that's not really a consideration. So I do equidistant typically. I do equidistant slots. And if you can get them centered right over the the uh, intonation screw, if that'll work for the guitar you're putting the bridge on, that's what I like to do. But uh, your mileage may vary, John. Greetings, Doclan. I found your podcast about a year ago, and it has saved my sanity during lockdown. Thanks to both of you for that. I've really enjoyed the binging and wanted to share a few thoughts. From mm-hmm. episode 57, okay. a long time ago, mm-hmm. I nearly spit out my coffee after Mel called you Dumbledore. <laughs> I still giggle at that. I don't remember that. Me neither. But I'm glad it made you laugh. Uh, episode 82, the Who Said It, Jack White, B.B. King, or Muddy Waters quiz oh, yeah. had me in stitches. That you was know, a good one. Sometimes I write good segments for the show. Yeah, sometimes. Not that often. Yeah. Uh, I thought the AMP episode was a lot of fun. I think Nat is a decent foil when Mel is busy. <laughs> yeah, Nat's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, on to my comment. In response to a recent, uh, recent query regarding smoky, smelly smelling guitars about 10 years ago i worked for a company that does fire smoke mold and water and flood damage cleanup and remediation uh common practice in the industry is to use an ozone machine to rid wood and cloth Mm -hmm. covered furniture of smoke and soot smell yeah i think somebody wrote in with that info yeah uh disclaimer though these machines should only be used in a room that is well ventilated and can be sealed or after hours, as it can be harmful to you and your pets. Mm. All the best to both you and the wee ones. Chris from Sinla Instru- Instrument Repair. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sinla Instrument Repair. Sorry. I was thinking that uh, it had a location. 
for some reason. Chris from Sinla Instrument Repair. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, you know, and I, I've, it's been funny. So many people, I, I get, I get this a lot. A lot of people write in with some goofy segment for us to do this. Hey, I had an idea for a quiz you could give Melissa. And, uh, I, I, I never really, never really do, but it'd be fun to do more segments like that. And thanks for the uh, tip about the smoke smell. Appreciate yeah. that. Uh, hi, Eric and Melissa. Eric, are vintage-style tellies like eight pounds plus a heavy guitar compared to, how can I put it, the modern preference for lightweight? Is this to do with wood-type dimensions and hardware? Is this overall balance more important? I guess it depends on the player's preference. For some, a heavy guitar might be too uncomfortable to play. Does your preference influence your own builds? Just wondering what your thoughts are. Thanks. That's from Ashley. Yeah, I prefer light ones, and uh, I that definitely influences my own builds. I try to make light ones. I, that's just what I. That's just what I like. Um, he, he says, uh, "Are is is eight pounds plus a heavy guitar compared to the modern preference for lightweight?" Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, but you know, a lot of the old vintage ones. See, a lot of the fifties and sixties ones really. They're super light, especially the '50s ones. I, some of those are just featherweight, man, and they they just were u- they were using ash that was plentiful then, but is harder to get now. But it's you know swamp ash with really wide grain. It, it grows really fast, mm-hmm. and so it, it it's a it's a very porous wood. So yeah, I like it. It's just comfortable, and I think they resonate better. But I don't have any, you know, empirical evidence to back that up. It's just a, it's just my own personal mm-hmm. thing. Hi, Eric and Mel. Hope all is well. I have two questions. First, I wanted to know your thoughts on the Tusk permanently lubricated nuts. Uh oh, she's gonna lose it again. Nope. Keep it together. I'm keeping Keep it, it together. <laughs> Keep it together. Uh, and the second, I'm replacing the nut on an inexpensive guitar with a tusk nut made for a seven-string strat style. I either want to take off the low E and put on a set of strings for a seven-string, or take off the low B and put on heavy gauge strings for a six-string. Of those two ideas, which would work better? Thanks, that's from Joe. Joe, I got a headache from your question. Let me look at this again. Yeah. Uh, for, well, let's start here. Tusk... I'm not a, I gotta be honest, I'm not a fan. What if they're permanently lubricated? (laughs) Well, uh. I'm not gonna make the joke I wanna make. Don't. I'm not gonna make it. We're not gonna go there. (laughs) Here's the thing. Tusk is, and I I know you're not gonna like this. Tusk with a Q. Uh Uh-huh. It's, it's plastic. (sighs) And I don't like plastic nuts. I like bone. Now. I'll grant you it's fancy plastic, but look up the definition for plastic. You cannot tell me that that's not plastic. It is. It's absolutely plastic, and even though it's fancy plastic, I prefer bone. Sorry if you're a vegan, but, or whatever, or if you like (laughs) tusk, or whatever. That's just me. This is just me, okay? Mm -hmm. If you brought that guitar to my shop, I would say, yes, let's cut a bone nut for it. So, there's that. But if you want to use Tusk, 
knock yourself out. Doesn't matter what I think. A lot of players use him. It's great. You know? He's replacing the nut on an inexpensive guitar. That's that's a key point, right? Mm-hmm. Made for a seven-string uh, Strat style. He either wants to take off the low E and put on a set of strings for a seven-string or take off the low B and put on heavy gauge strings for a six string. I I got to admit I don't I'm going to think about this for a second. Okay, I had to push pause and think about. It. I think what he's saying is he's taking a I th- I think what he's saying is that he's taking a seven string guitar and he's going to make a nut and make a six string out of it. I think he's saying Okay. Uh, I either want to take off the low E and put on a set of strings for a seven string or take off the low B and put on heavy gauge strings for a six string. Yeah, I'm not sure what he means. There's seven slots in that nut. Is that what he means? Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Okay, an inexpensive, a tusk nut made for a seven string Strat style. But is the guitar... I don't know. We don't know. Joe, we don't, we don't know, know. We don't understand, so we can't answer. I'm sorry. sorry. It's all good. It's Thanks for your question. Everything's going to be cool. <laughs> uh, hi, guys. My chronic addiction has worsened. I found the guitar I was to buy for my 60th birthday two-plus years early. That's okay. Uh, it's a 1938 Gibson L.O. L.O.? Yeah. Uh, it has has been refinished some time ago, and the overall condition is good. Played horribly on arrival, so I made a new bone saddle to stop the sitar tone caused from having no ramp angle on the high strings and then repaired a a protruding fourth fret to stop the buzzing sixth string. All insides look pretty healthy. There were two back cracks. Under a very strong light, the longer crack does not show through the inside at all, but the smaller one does, but barely. I've hide glued both cracks and repaired the finish with Stumac number 30 CA glue, safety razor, tape, uh, 1200 wet and dry, uh, all these things. McGuire's ultimate compound color and clarity restorer. See, this all makes sense to me. Yeah. These are all words to me. Uh, the result came up okay, but I feel I could have done better as I only wanted it to be perfect. Well. Eric, would you know how I can avoid the grayish spots that show up in the hardened CA glue? I store the glue in the fridge and I have used it cool. Could that have anything to do with the problem? Yeah. Also, Eric, the guitar came fitted with a piezo pickup with an ugly tone and volume controls mounted on the upper bout. I'm sure this must be a criminal offense to do such a thing to such a beautiful old piece. I could not cope until they were all removed. That allowed me to seat my new saddle properly and improve the tone. Would love to know your honest opinion on my temporary, maybe permanent, camel acoustic vents they were a quick fix but i've grown to like them they're actually old brass buttons from a long gone camel cigarette shirt i once owned pretty cool uh once again thanks for your great work please take care and stay safe that's from andy in deniloquin australia thanks andy uh i don't know i've never i have to admit i've never heard of keeping ca glue in the fridge is that a thing I'm wondering if that didn't if that didn't cause the problem. When you see that white uh uh residue that happens under dried CA glue, I think that is from moisture. I think it's from excess moisture. 
And my guess is maybe because of condensation uh, and keeping that in the fridge, I I think it might be moisture from 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 that whole situation. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I do other dudes keep? Do you get? If you keep your CA glue in the fridge, will you write me and tell me about this? I did not know this was a thing. Do other people do this? Um, but that's my guess. I'm thinking that you've got you introduced moisture somehow and uh that caused the milkiness under the ca glue yeah it could just be from condensation because the ca glue is cool and the... did you already say that yeah uh, he yeah, yeah he used it cool yeah right sorry i was i was trying to keep the dog from bumping into the microphones <laughs> you wouldn't believe what we have to go through <laughs> To to make a podcast. First, we have screaming children yeah. in the other room. Uh-huh. We have to pause the show every five minutes and go tell them, guys, you can't scream. We are trying to record a podcast. Yeah. They're five and seven. They don't know what a podcast even is. They just want to drink a water. They don't care. We have a dog who's going nuts, bumping into the microphones, going crazy. We have a furnace that starts up and makes a, a hell of a racket. So we have to go turn yeah. that off. I'm just saying. You guys, you guys don't know what we go through to make this show happen. We really, we really putting ourselves out, we guys. Really, I really would rather be fishing. <laughs> We're having a great time. No, it's great. Uh, also, I, I kind of like the camel brass button uh, plugs. Yeah, it sounds kind of cool. I mean, yeah. you know, the holes have been drilled. Right, it's, it's our, the damage has been done. It's 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 a shame that somebody did that, but. But fill them with something rad. You know, they're kind of, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. I'd, yeah. I'd be tempted to just leave it that way, really. But I don't know. Yeah. Do what you will, Andy. Thanks. Thanks for writing in. Hi, Eric. I've been playing guitar for 40 years and I have just recently. You know something? What? So have I. No. Yeah, think about this. I got my first guitar. Okay, 39 years. I got my first guitar when I was six or seven and now I'm 45. <sighs> So maybe 39, 38 years. Christ. I know. Crazy. Uh, I've been playing guitar for 40 years, and I have just recently started building my own. Research on the internet brought me to discovering your podcast just last week. I listened to a few random shows, loved what I heard, and decided to start at the beginning so I could soak up as much of your guitar expertise as possible. Awesome. But I only made it to episode three when Uh you put forth your pointy guitar plus long hair equals horrible music theory. And now I'm not sure if I should continue my binge of your podcasts. Music is such a personal thing to people. And to call Kiss and Motley Crue horrible music, each band has sold over 100 million albums each, by the way, is the same as you telling me and 200 other million other people that we have horrible taste in music. Yes, I did do that. Sorry. I have a wide range of music I enjoy from hard rock and heavy metal, soft rock from the 70s, blues, old classic country music, and 50s rock and roll like Elvis and Buddy Holly. Me too. There is obviously music I don't like also. Me too. I know everyone has their opinions, but I would never, nor have I ever, told someone the music or band they love, regardless of my opinion, is horrible music. That's the difference between you and I. (laughs) (laughs) I... Uh, I know I probably sound like a baby, but this has always bothered me. Music is the center of my life, whether playing or listening. Sorry for the long, 
and rambling email, just head to vent. Maybe you can convince me I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Or just hit delete and say, who cares? He don't know what good music is because my hair is halfway down my back and one of my guitars is a flying V. You know what? Good for you, bro. I don't know your name. Eric didn't put your name on here, but stick it to the man. Eric's the man right now. Am I the man? You're the, you're being the man right now because you're putting him down. Yeah. So that segment was meant uh, to make you laugh. And if you did, then good for you. And if you didn't, then I'm sorry, you know, but it's just all in jest. And yeah. obviously, I mean, I don't have to say this, do I? Obviously, I don't believe that there is, uh, you know, objectively good or bad music, right? It's all personal preference. It's all subjective. Just because I don't like it doesn't it doesn't mean anything for you, right? So it was just a comedy segment. Sometimes we have to pad the show with, uh, you know, whatever little comedy bit that I write. And uh, this is not a comedy show. Eric, and they duh. all and all my comedy bits. You disgust me. Fall flat. There's there's sour notes, and uh, you know, comedy is not objectively good or bad <laughs> either, right? So, so one person's comedy is another person's, uh, you know, reason to take offense, and that's what happened in this situation. And if you do continue listening to the show, I just, I sincerely hope you're not a fan of Jack White, <laughs> because I have some bad news. <laughs> But uh, thanks for listening, and I hope you do keep listening. And, and, you know, sometimes, dude, look, truth be told, sometimes I'm scanning through the radio stations, and they play, uh, like, She's Got Looks That Kill or something, or they play some Black Sabbath, or I'll hear an old dancing song, and I think, hell yeah, and I turn it up real loud. I like all kinds of music. I do. Yep. But that was a little... uh thing that was supposed to be funny and you didn't find it funny and i'm sorry but that's all it was just supposed to be funny hi eric and melissa i love the podcast and appreciate the great advice i have a gibson midtown semi hollow that has a neck pocket cracks that has neck pocket cracks on either side of the neck the guitar was damaged in shipping the neck is still attached in the pocket, but with the pressure, the crack will just open will open just a hair. Mm. Uh, I need a way to open it up and get some glue in there to stabilize it. Any idea on how to do it? Are there any water-thin glues that would work? Thanks for mm. your help. That's from Scott in Florida. Man, that's going to be... He sent a picture, by the way, and it's... Uh, this repair hurts me. Um you know, once it's been damaged like that, you know, you, you have to glue it. But yeah, that sucks. That really sucks. And it can be repaired. No, you don't want to, you don't want to use a, a, th- a water thin glue, like, you know, water thin, you know, CA glue or something like that. It, you've got to use something that's going to be structural. Now you can thin down a little bit and it, it does, you don't want to thin it down too much, but you can thin down uh, tight bond and also uh, uh, hide glue and then that will help you to work it into the crack a little bit but it does weaken the bond right um, so the thing to do on this is going to be to clamp the guitar down and then you know pry the crack open a little bit so that you can so that you can work glue in there 
you can get a syringe, you can inject glue in there with a syringe, then you can work it in just using pneumatic pressure by running your finger across there. You'd be amazed at how deeply that will that will make glue get into the crack, just running your finger across the crack. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this can be repaired. You'll need to open it up. You'll need to work glue in there with the methods methods that I just mentioned, and then clamp it down and uh, let it dry. This can be repaired, but it sucks, and I'm sorry. Sorry it was damaged in shipping, Scott. That's bad news. Anyhow, that does it for this episode. Yay! <laughs> now we're free to go uh, do whatever we want to do. Um, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. We love you all. Yeah, let's be clear. We enjoy doing this show. We yeah, really do. We do. I'm. I'm just. Sometimes I just like to be. Uh, uh, Eric's very silly. Yeah, we do. We enjoy doing the show. We, you know, all the dogs and the kids and everything. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I love it. Anyhow, I'm gonna go drink beer. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for participating in the show. If you want to send in a question or comment, you can do so by going to my website, ericdaw.com. Click the contact link. Send in your question or comment there. The other way to do it is to call or text. 757-774-8482 and uh, then you can uh, yeah do that and we'll use your comment or question on the show oh thank you so much good night